Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, I don't think I've ever needed to relax with a cigar more. And I'm I'm going on a trip tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So So you're stress-leveled. Yeah. So today, I, I never do this. I usually, I will meet people. On Mondays for, or at 10 or 2, Wednesdays at 10, because I don't usually set meetings for Wednesday afternoon because we record, and Thursdays at 10 or 2, and I refuse to meet anybody on Friday. Well, today, on Wednesday afternoon, I had a 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, all Ooh. back-to-back. <laughs> so so I'm, you need I'm, coffee, too. Uh, well, it's not that bad yet. But getting ready to go out of town, it's like, okay, this is the only time I can meet with these people. I can't let another week go by without at least having a little FaceTime with them. This is coming off the heels of you working on a weekend, too. So, man, what has happened in the Reeves household? Shane said yes too many times to too many people. (laughs) Is exactly what happened. I've got (laughs) to... you got to work on that. Well, you know, it's interesting. Interesting aspect of life. I try not to be the no-mode guy. So many people, whatever you ask them, they're just looking for a reason to turn you down. Right. They're looking for a reason to say no. They come in, they wander through life, and they're only looking for a reason to say no. Mm -hmm. And I try not to be that guy, because I want my no's to mean something. See, I have the, maybe the same problem, but the opposite problem, which is I, I have to force myself to say no. And it's not about, like trying not to be the no guy is the fact that I will say yes to so many people and so many things that I will spread myself so thin. I do it all the time. It's, you know, it's something that I am still not very good at, but it's it's interesting. It's it's that unstoppable force, immovable object when I reach a no person. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just one of those things where I always tell my builders, say no early, say no often, you'll have better customers. Mm Mm-hmm. Just if you go in there and you're, you know, there's two people that that coined phrases that I would like to send Schwarzenegger back to kill. Whoever said the customer is always right, I want his ass. I want him dead. And whoever wrote Robin Hood, you probably know whoever wrote Robin Hood. I don't actually. But the the basis of we're going to rob from the rich and give to the poor is a terrible, terrible concept that makes it okay. So it works well in vigilantism. Well, let's but not say it, as a form of government. Let, yeah, yeah, not a, not as a, not as the democratic. It was, it government. was not meant to be a a a platform. Right. It was ethos. not meant to be a philosophy. Exactly. That should be That's the word I was looking explored. for. Explored. But anyway, okay. Let's talk. So let's talk about this. I got good cigars. I've got a good story about a cigar. How many times have we said nobody's better than cigar people? Quite a few times. So I'm saying, am I boring you? Do, do, do I Man, need? it's been a long day. <laughs> and I, I I, even got here early, which doesn't normally happen lately. But Trey, you're in the show. If you can't get excited for it, how do we get anyone else? <laughs> so step I'm, it up. Come I'm going to take up. myself up on that coffee break when we stop at the middle of the show. <laughs> I swear. Uh, no, I am very interested because you texted me about this cigar yesterday. So, so I know I've got to pay it forward somehow. Well, this is interesting. This is, we're smoking the La Aurora Spirit, nope. or excuse me, Aroma de Cuba. Nope. Well, La Gloria Cubana, Spirit of the Lady. <laughs> Gloria Cubana, Spirit of the Lady. <laughs> See, I wake up when it's important. Well, that, that's because I'm sitting here. You chose the table tonight, and of course you've put me in the dark recesses <laughs> of Crown. 
And I, there's I, not I a literally, single room, a table in here that has lighting. Well, the one we usually set up has at least enough I can see what the band on my cigar says. But anyway, okay. So La Gloria Cubana, Spirit of the Lady. So I was given one of these, and then one was left for the other gentleman sitting there at the cigar lounge. And I said, cool, I'll smoke that on the show. And he said, take this one for Trey. That's, that is some upstanding gentlemanly behavior. That, that's as good as it gets. It that, really is. Really, because this is so, the, the rep was telling me, these sold out in five and a half hours. I'm not surprised. They announced they were there that morning, and five and a half hours later, there were no more boxes to be had. So they're sending them out to all the retailers now. So if you see one and you like it, you better get all you want. Because it's a limited edition line. (laughs) They're not making any more of it. Yeah, so it's a Honduran Honduran Olancho San Augustine wrapper, Cameroon binder, Mexican, 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 Nicaraguan, and Dominican fillers. And it's rolled in the Dominican Republic, and it's a general cigar. Um, it says the factory is the general cigar Dominicana. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the Honduran wrapper on this is seven years old as well. So I, I, we don't see that very often, cigars coming to market pre-aged. I like that. I don't ever buy it. Because they're asking me to believe that they let this stuff sit in their warehouse for seven years. Nobody that runs a business would let it sit in their warehouse for seven years. I mean, that's not true. Look at the whole of the wine industry. You know, I think everyone who spends any amount of time around cigars knows that you can improve them with age. So it makes sense if you're a manufacturer and, and you've got the warehouse space, which General does. Then yeah, let's sit on some stuff for a little bit. Let it. Let's see what it's going to do and blend it at a later date. You know, Paul Grammerian, which is a cigar brand that most people have not heard of, is is renowned. All these tobaccos sitting around his warehouse. Well, but he's <laughs> renowned for not putting cigars out until they've aged at least I want to say seven or ten years, and. I got to tell you, you can taste the difference. No, you're going to pay for the difference as well because that's a lot of warehouse space you got to pay rent on. But you know, I do think it makes a difference, and I think it's I, I think it's interesting to. I will say, I will say this: if this weren't a limited edition short run cigar, I definitely wouldn't believe the seven year age thing because you're not going to come out with a regular production line that has that level of. But You've been sitting. Maybe it was a maybe it was a bad crop, but it got better with age. You know, that's like what happened with uh, to Worcestershire sauce. He was what tr- happened to Worcestershire sauce? He was trying to make some type of sauce, and had all these ingredients. Made it. It was disgusting. Everyone he had tried it. Try it. Said no. This is just worthless. This is awful. I wouldn't put this on dog food. And well, he put it in his basement. And kind of forgot about it for like two years. And then he goes down there. And so it's been sitting fermenting in this barrel for years in, I want to say somewhere in New England. So humid summers, cold winters. He's like, I wonder whatever happened to this. Tries it. And it's, as we can all attest, delicious. So was his last name Worcestershire or is it named after? I always assumed it was named after someone. But now you're saying New England. Yeah, I think it's probably, I mean, it, it could have been in Worcester. Okay. Because it's so funny. <laughs> well, we put it in the barrels because it couldn't get no worse. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's funny. Have you ever have you ever been to New England? No. They have such ridiculous pronunciation for some of the towns that they have. Because I know someone from Worcester, Mass. 
and it's not spelled the way you think it should be spelled. There's just so much. So I never know. No one knows how to pronounce Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. But. Well, my my father has never worked a lot on his pronunciation. So when we always used it, we just called it whisker sauce. I like that. And that, that was always what it was called was whisker sauce. And as I got older, I banned him from ever saying the word Schwarzenegger again. <laughs> so, <laughs> Least of all in public, I bet. Yeah. So anyway, but anyway, so we're smoking the spirit of the lady. While you, <laughs> that went a place. While you were explaining the history of, of Worcestershire sauce, I decided to, to light my cigar. I can give you a link to the documentary on it if you need a help going to sleep tonight. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and all your poor wife. But anyway. I think that daily, but for a multitude of reasons. But no, so here's what I was getting at. I wouldn't go the we aged this tobacco for seven years route. I would do the Elmer T. Lee thing. We found a corner of the warehouse that seems to get the perfect amount of light and humidity, and we put this tobacco in this corner of the warehouse. Someone did that. Was it LFD? I don't know. They did that about a year and a half, two years ago. We talked about it on the show. It's one of the few things we talk about on the show that I actually remembered. I'm proud of myself. Um, But, yeah, that's exactly what it was. They were knocking down a wall for their aging room or something like that. Right, and they found. And they found a whole bunch of tobacco that had just been sitting there for something like 20 years. But, no, I'm talking about saying this is new tobacco, but we have a special spot in the warehouse that's, So we just keep, eventually people are going to catch on. Wait a minute, you keep finding stuff in that same corner, just... I think you're putting new stuff in the old corner. Well, Elmer T. Lee, that's what they say. You know, it's it's made by this master distiller, and it's aged in a particular corner of the the warehouse, and that's exactly what it is. So I, that's why I would go instead of asking someone to believe that I've been paying warehouse space for seven years on a stick of tobacco. But anyway, okay. Where do you go that you get tobacco on sticks? Well, well, hey, at um, the barn smoker, they stalk cut all their tobacco. Fair point. And I'll hoist it by my own petard. So, from aficionado, Michigan Department of Health bans smoking in cigar lounges. Why are you giving me the... Oh, yeah, I forgot the Puro Sabor Festival. <laughs> you didn't jump it out of order. No, you already talked about this one. Don't bury the well, lead. We, we spent so long introducing our cigar, I assumed we'd already done well, the be- first article. because <laughs> I was worried we were going to be light in the first half. <laughs> I was stretching it out. Give me, leave me alone. All right, we'll double back. All right. But anyway, Michigan... Department of Health bans smoking in cigar lounges. Okay, so let's take this at surface. If the Michigan Department of Health feels like they need to do what they need to do to get their pandemic, whatever, under control, that's okay. But don't ban smoking in cigar lounges and say, but it's okay to take your mask off and smoke in a casino. Yeah. Well, this is... So, I... I I want to go on record as saying I do not support this practice, uh, the one that I'm about to talk about. Uh, I don't condone it in any way, shape, or form. I think the people who do this sort of thing are just being uh, contrarian for the point just because they want to be. But this is a case for the mesh mask. Cut a little hole in them because all it says this is based on the fact that masks must be worn at all times, even in smoking lounges, and that the removal of a mask could have severe legal and financial consequences. So, okay, so we just need to find a way to smoke with a mask on. 
Because in any of these mask mandates, all they ever talk about is face covering. They never get more specific than that, which is why these, in my opinion, idiots walk around wearing mesh masks as a form of protest. Um, cut a hole in the middle for your cigar, but, but make it out of a light enough breathable fabric that you can actually exhale through it. There you go. You get to smoke in a cigar lounge, and you don't have to take your mask off. Or... Be fire, sensible and fire the legislators. You know they're rec- they're in the process of recalling California's governor because he kept making it worse and worse. Um, fire these idiots that will say that are not consistent. All I ask for is consistency. I agree that when I vote for somebody, if I get outvoted, them's the breaks. Right. But if the person that they do put in place is not consistent, I have full grounds to stand upon. So if you say, we can't have your mask off in a cigar bar, but you can go to a casino and take it off, that's wrong. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. No, I think if you're going to allow, if you're going to allow certain concessions, this is the problem. (laughs) This is part of the problem with transparency is because it makes it so obvious who the hypocrites are. The problem is behaviors like this don't tend to get people voted out like it should. That's, yeah. wh- that's why I come up with the workaround and the loophole, because we're ne- you're never going to get rid of idiots in Congress. You'd have to shut the whole thing down. Some days. But anyway, so the all the, all the cigar lounge owners are saying that this is their backhanded way to try to stop smoking in Michigan, that that's really the only way they can read it. I don't think it's that way. I think they're just that. I think that the legislation is just that stupid. I think so, too. I, I don't I think, don't think they think ahead enough to think that they could use this to shut down cigar bars. I don't think they're that bright. No, I think it's that they hate smoking. And so if this inconveniences people who smoke, then that's the benefit. I don't think they're thinking of long-term implications. Well, the one thing COVID has taught us is that our Congress and all of our elected officials will happily lie to our faces to try to get us to do what they want. So if, if it's taught us nothing else, it should have taught us that by now. No, I, I, that's not my takeaway from a, from a purely COVID perspective. The, the whole pandemic thing, what it has taught me is the fact that, that Congress is going to force you to, stu- to do stuff that they're not willing to do themselves. And I, have, I take much greater exception to that. Yeah. Oh, I, well, I take exception with the fact that they feel like that they should lie to us to get us well, to I do, do too, what they want. But, but anyway, meanwhile in Texas... <laughs> and I'll, El Paso, Texas, Rockin' Cigar Bar and Grill open its, opens at midnight with lift the mask mandate. So everybody's got their mask on. They're waiting till midnight. And as soon as the clock chimes, we jerk them down and commence to smoke it. I love it. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> so, okay, what are all of you, what are all of the COVID people? I almost grouped you in, but I pulled back. What are all of the people that are scared to death of COVID going to do? Now that Texas has pulled all its restrictions, and if in two weeks there's no search, is everybody going to come out and say, okay, we were wrong? What's the deal? I think, well, no, because no one's ever going to come out and admit they're wrong. That's not what happens. And you know that as well as I do. Um, You could be the first. (laughs) I haven't made a statement from which I would need to retract. Okay. I think I, I would almost be willing to bet you real dollars that there will be a spike because that's just the way it works we would have to we'd have to set a minimum spike amount 
Well, you'd compare it against pre-mask mandates, stuff would, like that. But the, the, reason, the reason I won't make that bet is because throughout this entire process, there, have, there hasn't been total compliance. So it's really because you never know how much of the, of, of the numbers, you know, before this got repealed that are, are from the people that were obeying the mandate versus the people that were subverting the mandate. There's just no way of knowing that. So the, the figures I don't know will necessarily bear out. I, I, would, I would expect, I would suspect that there will be a spike, but like I said, I'm not making that bet because there's just too many variables. I, I bet there will be I bet there will be so little spike as it will be completely negligible. It'll be interesting to see. I, they, I, they kicked it off on Texas Independence Day last week. So you got about another week and a half to, for people to show some numbers. But I just, I just want to see what all of the, all of the, the, the mask wearing, everybody must wear a mask, this is going to kill us all people, are going to do when there's no spike. I, I, I can't wait. Well, and I don't even think, I, I don't even think it's all about the mask. It's, it's about this type of behavior that people are going to so quickly rush out and congregate. That's what's going to... It, it, and that would have happened whether they were wearing a mask or not, very likely. Because very few people wear the mask correctly. Very few people, you know, strictly adhere to, you know, the, the things that make it something that works. <laughs> I told you I was tired. My tongue's broken. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. So now, now that you have, you have thir- thoroughly tap danced, what are you thinking of the spirit of the lady? Is it sweet? There's a little sweet. Um, Rosado. Rosado is kind of the overwhelming, you know, I, this is a, a very Rosado flavoring cigar. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it. I, I really, really like this. It's a shame I'm never going to be able to get another one. Well, you'll still be able to buy one at the shops that have them. You'll just have to. But you've it's, got it's to going to be it. a small number of those. Right. As soon as you, when you see them, you better buy all that they'll let you buy, or else you'll be out of luck. But I'm getting a lot of that risotto flavor. I like the fullness of the flavor. I like the, you know, the two people I knew that had smoked this beforehand. One of them has a very bitter palate. His philosophy is the bitterer, the betterer. Okay. And he did not like it. So that's why I'm, I was interested to see how you liked it, because you kind of have that bitter palate. I do. but And I don't. I'm, I'm Bitter is not a flavor I enjoy. And it, it's funny, because if I, I wish the sweetness were toned down just a hair. That being said, I, I'm not knocking it for that. It's just it's something that is new and different to me. Well, I, I really am enjoying it. I really like it. I like the fullness of it. I like the complexity is there. This, to me, feels like really, you know, a great La Gloria Cubana cigar. Yeah, this, to me, absolutely. Their other cigars have always kind of tasted good, not great to me. This one is rapidly headed toward great. Very rapidly. And also, I'm very excited about that. All right. A little bit of toothiness to that wrapper. Yeah, a little bit of tubiness and just and the little pink tint to the van and the Art Deco box like you were talking about before the show is really a cool little... Yeah, the, the design elements in this are, are, are great. Okay, excellent. So, 
from the manual doc. Oh wait, no, let's do the Puros Award. <laughs> you are you are determined. You put it at the top of the show, and you're determined to skip it. So Puros Award Nicaraguan Cigar Festival. The ninth Puros Award Festival starts March fifteenth. That's Monday. Online. So part of me. So there's the part of me that says, "Why bother when you're going to do it online?" Says the guy who posts a radio show online every week. Well, but <laughs> touche. First and foremost, touche. But okay, it's a festival. Don't call it a festival. Call it the Puro Sabor Podcast, I guess. But anyway, um, part of me doesn't care for this. They're like, I'm like, okay, you know, do the festival or don't do the festival, but don't do it halfway. That's my motto in life. I don't. So you know, and we were talking about this before the show. I. I really like this because it's there's a lot of this that is kind of insider information that they're going to be talking about. They run through the the schedule, and they're talking about harvesting and blending, um, the well, economic importance of the industry in Nicaragua. So they're like doing a really deep dive on the industry itself. Not just this is not just a factory tour. Okay, but let's really let's let's dive on that ourselves. I'm going to read the list of the episodes, and I want you to tell me in complete honesty if it would if it's something you would like to listen to or Are not. Are you sure you want to do this exercise, considering the movies I watch? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm going to beat this dead are, horse. Are you using this as a principle of if he's interested, I'm definitely not? <laughs> Introductory episode. I would watch that. Absolutely. The value and economic importance of the industry in Nicaragua. I would absolutely watch that. I'd probably watch that. I I could probably get behind that. Harvest and pre-industry. Okay, I don't know what that means. So my under, what I would guess on this is that this walks through the process of getting it from the field to the factory. Okay, so that uh, if there was nothing on TV, um, blending and tasting. Yeah, I'm in. I would be interested, not really for the topic, just so much as to see how they do it. How do you how do you describe taste? You know, how do you describe how you taste? You know, people ask me this all the time. They talk about, well, I just don't have your palate. Well, I didn't have my palate when I was born. I developed my palate. Right. People walk in my office. I just can't visualize. Neither could I. You learn it. It's yeah. a, it's a skill. This this is not something you're either born with or not. It's a skill you must learn. I think there are some, you know, I think, look at the difference in the foods that you and I eat, right? You know, eggs in the morning is probably your go-to, and I can't stand them. And I, the thing is, I want to like eggs. My life would be so much easier if I could like eating scrambled eggs for breakfast. But I've tried them, and I just, I, I cannot, so, and it's, it's a taste that will always be unpleasant to me. Regardless how much I try to overcome that. You don't that. think you'll ever grow out of it? I have tried. I regularly eat. Uh, of all the foods I don't like, eggs are the one that I regularly challenge myself with because the day comes that I can poach an egg and then go for a run later that day and know that I've got all, like, that I've had that perfectly nutritious breakfast. I wouldn't, that poached egg wouldn't be the only thing I ate. But, like, yes, I want that. I want to be able to to enjoy eggs. So I constantly, and I don't think, if it hadn't happened in 34 years, it's not going to happen. That's It's possible. Um, cigar production major manufacturers. Eh, not interested. Why not? 
I talk about it here on the show, and I can. And here's the thing: I don't need an overview. I can sit here on the internet and zone in on any manufacturer that I want to touch. I, I, I will give you that. I don't agree with it. I would be all over this. Because the next one is cigar production, big, small manufacturers. And so they're kind of highlighting the differences. And I think we can talk about it all day long. But if we're not, you know, nuts and bolts sitting in it and seeing it, I think this could maybe put some perspective to some of the things that we've seen written or heard talked about. Yeah, I I could see the big, small manufacturers just because I'd like to know the the difference. And I I suppose I'd have to watch the other one to find it. Marketing. I could deal with that. I'd like to see how the, I'd like to see their concept of marketing because cigars kind of market themselves. They do, and they kind of have to because in most countries it's illegal to to advertise tobacco products. That's why it was it was. I got into Formula One racing in the early two thousands, and you know Ferrari used to be sponsored by Marlboro, and on the rear wing of the Formula One cars used to be Marlboro, Marlboro. But when they would race in the U.S. or in Japan at the time, were the only two. It was just a barcode. Right, that looked like the Marlboro logo, because of that. So I would imagine the marketing has changed over the last you know ten years or so because of things like that. Why are we number one in all the rankings? No interest. No, no, no desire whatsoever to watch that set. That so I do, and here's why. We talk on the show not as much as we used to, um, but the comparison between cigars and wine, and. In France, they have a saying about wine that's called terroir. And it's essentially the characteristics that the land and the specific field that the grapes are grown in bring to the finished product. You and I have both talked many times about how much we like Nicaraguan tobacco. So I would love to see the behind the scenes of why Nicaraguan tobacco is number one across all world. Because we talk so often about how not every cigar is for everybody. But there's got to be something about their soil, about their geographic location, things that all boils into that terroir. I can just accept that I like it. I don't have to know why. I, I like to know the why. Technology and innovation in the cigar industry. Uh, I'd watch first 10 minutes. And if it, if it didn't, it better, they better bring it hard the first 10 minutes or I'm out. I, no, I'm all about that, but I'm a I'm a technology nerd. So seeing how an ancient process gets made modern, um, corporate social responsibility. This is going to surprise you. I'm out. But you couldn't make me watch it at gunpoint. <laughs> no, I have no. I do the right thing. Don't tell me you're doing the right thing. Right. You don't need to tell me about that. I yeah. don't. And I, and I and I hate the term corporate social responsibility. That, that those I think three things just do not make any. I think it's a. I think it's an important topic, and we talk about it a lot when we talk about manufacturers and factories in countries like the Dominican and Nicaragua that are building schools in their community and doing things to make the area around them better. And, I, and that falls into this category. And I do th- think those are are important principles. But I also don't need to sit on a webinar to hear you. Explain well, you it. see, that's that's funny. You did catch me off guard because when I looked at this list, I know you did. I, I figured that you were licking your chops at that one. No, I figured I that one was right up, yeah. right up your alley. And then Levin's Q and A with panel of tobacco producers. I take it or leave it. But you know, anyway. it's funny because I'm taking it or leave it on that one too, because a Q and A panel is only as good as the questions. Right. And when you've got a bunch of schlubs from all over the country 
sitting there smoking a cigar wanting to know what's the what's your favorite cigar you've ever had it that, that gives me no value so i was at blazing saddles with mel um mel brooks was doing a q a we went to t-pack we sat and watched i've talked about it before but i've never talked about this thing that happened mel brooks was up there and this guy stands up to to ask his question and he's the the quintessential geek. I mean, okay. there's there's no other way to describe him. And apparently, so he, me but two inches shorter. Apparently, he knew Mel Brooks's real name. Apparently, Mel Brooks's real name is not Mel Brooks. And he's Mister Artusian, and waits like he like he like he's the gotcha. Yeah, I'd have had three securities for guards from the back tackle him and one shooting. Right. <laughs> Just so don't be that guy. If you're ever in a Q and A, don't be that guy. Don't try to. You, we don't care how much you know. We're not here to watch you ask the question. We're here to listen to the answers. Exactly. Don't be that guy. So anyway, if you want to register, go to www.lightemupworld.com slash Puro Sabor 2021. And then you can fill out that and decide which one of these you would like to listen to. Is there a price? Uh, free. Oh. Yeah, it's free. I, I noticed that when I looked at it right up front. If if they're doing it in English, sign me up. All right. So all right. Well, step let's, away. Yeah, let's step away for a break. You can go find a cup of coffee or something, shot of heroin, whatever it is line you're after. Co- no, heroin puts you to sleep. Line uh, of coke. Line of coke. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll be back. Shane here with this week's cigar around date. <laughs> the, <laughs> the sign of the times. The cigar under eight is not as practical for us anymore. We've kind of covered all the cigars under eight. So from now on, this segment will be called the Cigar Around Date. And this one falls squarely in that category. It's a new release or a re-release from Partagas. Since they launched under the Forge line, this is the yellow label. I don't think it has another name other than that. Yeah, everybody calls it the Partagas Yellow. Yeah, and they're about eight and a half, eight and a quarter. Um, for some of your smaller sizes, going up to about nine uh, in the bigger. So, you know, kind of around that $8 range. They've got a great range of sizes in this cigar. It's a Dominican um, Puro. Well, it's, the wrapper is a Cameroon wrapper, but the binder and filler is Dominican. So I don't guess it's a Dominican Puro, even though the ad says it's Dominican Puro. Right. But it's rolled in the Dominican Republic. I had one of these. They're really... Um, it's really good. It kind of reminds me of that same um, underground shade, brick house, Connecticut, that lighter cigar, but still complex, still something very enjoyable. And also, till next week, try a Partagas Yellow. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. It's one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who got banned from Facebook for calling someone an unboiled potato, Mr. Trey Deadman. <laughs> you knew that one was going to have to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. I still can't get over that. I mean, it was my fault for calling him an unboiled potato, but he was acting like an unboiled potato. What do you... How, first, how does the insult unboiled potato come up how does that even my mind is a labyrinth shane Uh, because i it's not good enough for me 
to insult somebody by calling them a jerk or an a-hole or a moron. You got to get creative with it. That makes it sting that much worse. But why is a boiled potato so much better than an unboiled potato? <laughs> a boiled potato. Have you ever eaten either? I've eaten boiled potatoes. Have I you eaten an unboiled potato. potato? No. It's far worse. But but here's the thing. The unboiled potato has its whole life out in front of it. The boiled potato, once you boil a potato, you cannot unboil a potato. So I would argue that the unboiled potato actually has more promise and potential than the boiled potato. You got... You can make it into French fries. You can make it, you know, yeah, but I'm hash not, browns. I'm not judging him on his promise. I'm judging him on where he is at this point. And at this point, he's an, he has not done anything remarkable uh, you remember, remember to that, be worthy of what? Remember that resolution you had not to argue with people on Facebook anymore? That is gone, ain't well, it? technically speaking, I still haven't because they took my comment down. <laughs> so he never saw it. You, you, you unpicked grapefruit, you. Oh, I'm using that one. I just don't know how how mad would I have to get at somebody. I, I could just see you being so mad that all you could think of was an unboiled potato that you couldn't even put together a proper. <laughs> and I'll, but anyway, themanual.com, the 10 coolest lighters to keep on hand in 2021. Okay, so let's talk about the premise of this article first. Do you, before you smoked cigars, did you keep Never. a lighter? I had a couple of the you know the the fire starter bic you know long stem things that I kept around the house for, but that was it. Well, now I'm before even before I smoked cigars, I always carried a lighter, and all because working on the job side, this was back in the good old days when you just dug a hole and burned your trash right. behind the houses when you built houses. And I was always needing to start a fire, so I always just kept a lighter. And at the time, my father smoked cigarettes, and he always knew I had a lighter, so he would steal my lighter. That's how you became routinely. his favorite. One of the many reasons. Um, <laughs> so I do. I do think carrying a lighter as a part of your EDC is 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 kind of like a pocket knife. It's not nearly as versatile, but. You would be amazed, I think, if you always had a lighter in your pocket, how many times you'd find a use for it. Yeah, um, it's so the lighter is a, it's a tough call. You know, does that become part of your everyday kit or not? Is always a tough call with the lighter if you don't smoke. Yeah. Now, obviously, I carry two lighters in my kit at all times. I've got an emergency lighter in the truck. I've got four or five lighters at home. And primarily just in case my wife uses one and I have to replace it. Well, and for me, it's, it you know, I've been around, I've been in situations where you're around smokers and it's, it's nice to be the lighter guy, even if you're not a smoker yourself. Well, you know, the, the, the days of the film noir where the guy, even if he didn't smoke, would just, the lady would pull out a cigarette and she would literally sit there with an unlit cigarette for like five minutes till someone was gentlemanly enough to offer up his lighter. Mm -hmm. And also the, the good old days. A guy. A guy I used to wait tables with many years ago used to tell a story of how, and this was him being anti-feminist, blah, 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 blah. But he told a story, and I'm sure it wasn't true, but the idea was that this woman, he was at a bar or whatever, like pulls out a cigarette, and he goes to light it for her. So she leans in, lets him light it, then slaps him for having the audacity to think she wasn't capable of lighting her own cigarette. I don't think that actually happened, but... The, the joy telling that story gave him has stuck with me all this many 12 years later. 
Well, so this article, the 10 coolest lighters to keep on hand in 2021. I'm not, I'm not sure that this is a road to anywhere unless you're a cigar smoker. Yeah, probably not. Well, or... Yeah, anyway. So, best overall, Zippo Brass Lighter. Okay, why brass? Why would... Why... why, the, why couldn't you just say Zippo? Just yeah, carrying I, a Zippo is good enough? Yeah, stop there. You, you've, you've hit pay dirt. Yeah, I don't know why Brass Lighter happens to be there. Although, I do like their Brass series. I like... It's got a, a, a slightly different resonance to it, so I like the sound it makes. So, maybe that's what it's based on. Best fuel-free choice. Dual arc rechargeable lighter. Okay. Have you ever seen anyone trying to use one of these to light anything? I've I've seen it work. Where it works best is with candles. Because you can get the wick right in there. Although, I don't understand. Because they even mentioned down further in this article, best candle lighter. And sure enough, it's one of these arc lighters. I don't understand why candles need this arc rather than... But I got one for Christmas. Well, first and foremost, this thing sounds like a taser going off. Somebody pull, or actually sounds like a bug zapper with like a two-pound June bug stuck in it. Yeah. And, I'll, you know, we, we mercilessly, one of our buddies actually brought one of these to wrestling one night and whipped it out to light his, to, yeah, to light his cigar, and we mercilessly uh, harangued him for hours. You cannot get a cigar lit with one of these. Oh, no. You would have to have an actual taser. You really, what you have to do is find a piece of paper or wood or Cedar, something that yeah. you can try to get a fire with this thing to light it. So stay away from the dual arc rechargeable lighters. Best for cigars. Promise Jet Torch Lighter. <laughs> Spoken by someone who's never smoked a cigar. Never lit a cigar with a lighter. Especially because this doesn't even specifically mention that this is a budget list. So why would you pick a $10 lighter if this isn't a budget list, especially yeah. that one? Well, especially seeing as how they have lighters down here that, you know, are, are much more expensive. So, yeah, I, this is obviously someone who's never actually lit a cigar that has, not, that has chosen this. And I also, I also take exception with, with the description here. Lighting cigars sometimes requires a stronger flame than your standard cheap lighter. No, it doesn't. You and I are both soft flame guys. That, yeah. The torch is not a requirement. That's just an indication that you got the right kind of fuel. 98% of my cigars are lit with a Calibri Julius. Because the only time I don't use my Calibri Julius is if I'm in a high wind condition. It just ain't good for that. Or if I'm doing a touch-up. Yeah. And, all, and I need that concentrated, you know, jet laser jet right on it. And all. But now this is the... Um, the most dependable Zippo windproof lighter. Uh, I've never had one. I, I like the form factor. It, it looks like a Zippo, but it's a little bit thinner. I like that. So this is the, the part of the article that attracted me. Best splurge, ST DuPont mini jet chrome gray. And I actually had to click on the Amazon link to be sure that you could buy a $57 ST DuPont. And sure enough, you can. And this one happens to have the, uh, the Rolling Stones logo on it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so, okay, so there is, you know, I, never, I didn't think you'd ever lay your hands on a Zippo for less than $100. And I'll, you I just, can get a, you can get a basic. A, not a Zippo, a ST DuPont. ST DuPont. Yeah, the, the single torch mini jets are not that expensive. Okay, so you can get a little cheaper. You can. Okay, well, $57 is a pretty good deal. Um, and then the part, you want to talk about the Soto Pocket Torch? I do. I think this is brilliant. So it comes with its own rechargeable lighter, which 
strikes and can be used like a typical BIC, but it's rechargeable, so it uses good butane. Um, but you can also take an over-the-counter BIC and you stick it down in this little pocket and it's got a, a little head that attaches to it and you've got a torch. Can, for 20 bucks on REI and you can, like, in a pinch, you can turn any lighter that you happen to have around you into a torch. I think it's pretty great. I would like to purchase one of these and run it through the paces. I need to purchase one of these and put it in my kit and see how long it takes for this to break. Because I bet the half-life on this is three days. I mean, but at 20 bucks, I, I've, I've gone through more expensive lighters faster. Well, I just I bet there's just too many moving parts to me in this operation to think that this is going to be a good... This is kind of like the shuriken. It may be a good ideal that just doesn't work. I don't know. I, if, I will say, if REI is selling it, then it's it's got to be somewhat battle-tested. REI is pretty darn sound as, as yeah. far as sales go. But I thought that was interesting. The $57 DuPont really got my attention. So really liked that and wanted to touch that tonight. So, from UPV News. Okay, can we, can we establish something that needs to happen? If your newspaper is online... Tell me where it's from. Yeah, tell me where it is. UP, is that Upper Peninsula, Venezuela? Is that <laughs> <laughs> Under Pressure, Viero? I mean, where is the UPV News out of? I have no idea. And I guess I would have to click on the obituaries link and see where the dudes were that died. I, w- I went to classifieds, but that didn't turn anything that up didn't, for me. That didn't help. <laughs> that says something about our life, that I went to obituaries and you went to classifieds. <laughs> Stella Schinberger and her Red Hill cigars. So, you know, we've been in the, the throes of the Women's History Month and all that stuff. And it seems like every article's about some, you know, the first woman in orbit or the first woman to swim the English Channel or the first woman to do whatever, whatever. Pinsbury, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay, so upper Pennsylvania news. <laughs> but I like this article because, so, Stella Schimberger just decided, hey, I'm going to make cigars. Her and her husband decided to basically open a cigar factory out of their house. A grassroots business. Something you could never get away with today. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine the amount? (laughs) Oh, my HOA would shut me down so fast. (laughs) And so she began making cigars in local factories. So she at least had some. And she decided, hey, why am I going here? And so she started making them out of her home in the early 1950s. And I think this is interesting. I, I really love this story. So she, Norman passed away in 1946, her husband. But Stella kept on making cigars. In 1952, she was still making 200 cigars a day, three or four days a week. That's a bunch of sticks. That is. That Ten is. boxes a day. Now, Stella never smoked. And she told the, the, the newspaper reported... The cigar-making business is not as lucrative as in days gone by. <laughs> and I'll, but could you make cigars having never smoked one? I think so. I guess you could. I mean, what you would look like you would have to have something as far as blending. You'd have to have some sort of you know, so some sort the, of palate. I mean, not in the. I mean, we're talking about Pennsylvania American. These are these are. Uh, 
Prince Edwards or King Edwards or whatever those are called. These are these are not blended for flavor necessarily, like like the cigars that you and I would smoke. These are these are more just this a is cigar. Just, just roll tobacco together, and someone will will smoke it because it's there. So you, you're saying if we got a um, Red Hill cigar, we probably would not be overly impressed. Uh, that's my. That would be my guess. Yes. I mean, the story makes it worth something. It really does. I think so too. I mean, I love the idea of someone taking matters into their own hands. Like, I love that. That's the that's the American story, right? Of see a need, feel it, kind of thing. Um, no, I and and it's and it's interesting too because this is something that you and I have both talked about trying. Not necessarily starting like manufacturing cigars to sell, but you know, how hard could it possibly be? to make your own cigar. So I did a little research because, okay, what do you need to make your own cigar? One, you need leaves. <laughs> you need the tobacco. That's the that's the most basic part of it. Yeah. And leafonly.com, America's largest and finest wholesale distributor of tobacco leaf. Um, it's easy to do when you're the only one. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. When you're first on Google search. And I was actually shocked how inexpensive the tobacco was. See, I was ex- I was shocked by how expensive some of it is. A quarter pound is a lot of tobacco. Is it? Yeah, you think about what a, you know, that's 85 leaves. Or a pound is 85 leaves. So a quarter pound is what, 20? Okay. Give or take 20 leaves. Okay. And you can get, you know, binder leaves around $7 for a quarter pound. So that, okay, yeah. But have you ever had the fantasy of rolling your own cigar? Oh, Absolutely. In fact, you and I talked about it for a while. Um, I think we've even looked at this site before trying to figure out what we wanted to do. I do think it would be interesting to to each of us, you know, grab some of this and kind of try and blend it ourselves and give it to the other person to smoke. It, w- it would be very interesting to see. So they even at this have a, if you go to their homepage at leafonly.com, they even have how to roll your own cigars an instructional video and I, I think i could do all right putting the wrapper together it's the bunching process that i'm still a little fuzzy on i think that's where most of the nuance is yeah i think it's the bunching because making it draw putting everything together in such a way not rolling it too tight i mean I've put the wrapper on him before with Pedro. When he yeah. has his roller, I've sat down on my Shavada and actually put the paper on the roller or on the binder and filler already put together. So I think I could do the wrapper, but the the bunching is the part I think would be difficult. Yeah, I think so too because that's where your that's where your draw really comes from. But I mean, Ecuadorian Lajero shade wrapper. And all, that's 10 to 19 pounds, $38. That's not bad at all. No. But it would be it would be interesting. I wonder what the learning curve would be. I wonder if you if you said, Okay, here's five hundred dollars that ain't doing nothing in my life and I'm gonna use this to learn how to roll cigars. Do you think you what do you think the learning curve would be? I don't think you're gonna have a tremendous amount of consistency by the end of that five hundred dollars, but I think you'll be well on your way. I bet, I bet if you and I both, or individually, one of us were to buy a quarter pound of enough to make a cigar. So, quarter pound of some filler, binder, wrapper. I bet by the end of it, we'd have at least one that was smokable. I think so. I think with a little trial and error, because you do hear about this occasionally. You don't hear about it a lot. 
This is one of those things you don't hear about a lot in a cigar shop is guys that have decided to roll their own, unless they're a farmer that kind of has their own tobacco. Yeah, there was a there's a cigar shop in Augusta, Georgia. I can't remember the name of it. And when I was repping, I was out there and I was talking to the son of the lady who owns that shop. And they had had a rolling event of some kind. And so the roller kind of took this, I think he was probably about 18, 19 at the time. He took this young kid and was like, all right, I'll show you how we do it. And so he, he did exactly this. He went out and bought a bunch of leaves and kind of taught himself how to put the pieces together. And the first one he rolled was way too tight. No one could draw it. The second one was way too loose. He overcorrected. But by the end of a couple of months, he was, he was fairly consistent. Do you think there's a, a business here that could be developed kind of like, you know, the sips and strokes where you go and drink a bottle of wine and paint and they have an actual art instructor. Do you think we could do, you know, a, a suds and cigars where everybody comes in and has a beer and you have a selection of tobacco and people kind of under the tutelage of a master could roll their own cigar for the night? Do you think there's a business there? I absolutely do. I, I don't think, I d- maybe not necessarily here, I don't think we have the population for it. But, you know, because you think about cigar smokers as a percentage of the population versus people who drink wine. Yeah, I I, I think you'd have to find the right market for it, but I do think it's doable. You could definitely do it in Atlanta. I would absolutely do that, you know, once a year. Yeah, you could could absolutely do that in Atlanta. You know, but now if I was going to have my own cigar, I think I would just call Pedro or somebody like him and say, hey, I'm going to have a thousand labels printed for the venomous duck. And I want to run down there and figure out the blend. You know, I've got my got my own shop. I want to run down there and figure out the blend. And I want I'm going to commit to you that I'm going to buy a thousand venomous ducks. And everybody could come in. And then if the venomous duck went over well, my next one would be the octo cougar. So <laughs> you've got this whole thing planned out. Well, I always have to have something. I always have to have a made up cigar name so as not to offend nobody. So venomous duck is my go to. Octo Cougar would be my follow up. All right, I like it. And all, but if if anybody out there listening has ever tried to roll their own cigars, let me know. I would like to know what your what the learning curve was, what the experience was like. And all, I'd li- I'd like to know. I'd like to to see what it would take to actually do that. And all, so last article. Let's talk about the J.C. Newman factory. All right. You know, we, we talked about the Titan de Bronze factory. And that's cool and semi-accessible, but I think for the average listener in America, is the J.C. Newman factory probably the most accessible factory tour you can pull off? Yeah, I think it probably is. I mean, do they still do factory tours? Oh, yeah, they just opened up that whole new oh, segment right. of it. You that's know, we had right. the article a couple of weeks ago. You're listening to the show. It's pretty good. <coughs> we had that article a couple yeah, of weeks ago. Yeah, I can't ago. stand one of the hosts. <laughs> yeah, that, guy, that guy's a jerk. I know him. Um, but the J.C. Newman factory. So if you go to jcnewman.com, it's pretty cool. And I've actually seen the J.C. Newman factory while I was in Tampa. And... Um, the company, over the years, J.C. Newman had four children. Sorry, I didn't highlight the article like I probably should have. And uh, when was the factory originally built? Um, Julius Caesar Newman. See, that's, that's something I learned today. 
Because you've had me smoke the Julius Caesar, and I assumed it was named after the most famous Julius Caesar. I didn't realize that J.C. stood for Julius Caesar Newman. Yeah, and I think the... Uh, I want to say the D.C. Maximus stands for something besides Diamond Crown, but I, I, don't quote me on that. The cigar company's history dates back to 1895. So we're now at 124 years. Something like that, yeah. Of J.C. Newman cigars. And the factory's really accessible. It's really cool. What's your thought on the factory tour? You know, I've never had the opportunity to do one. And I've always, outside of, you know, the Barn Smoker, which isn't really a factory tour, but it's at least a kind of a hands-on cigar experience. I've always wanted to do a factory tour, uh, it, even if it's something like going down to Ebor City and finding one of those, you know, smaller outfits. I think that would even be worth the, you know, the investment for the education. Yeah, I think it would be it would be pretty cool to just go down there and see because it's a family business. It's father to grandfather to son, grandson family business and jc newman produces a lot of good cigars i still think the brick house line is my favorite of their lines yeah I, I i really do like the brick house line i like i like the diamond crown line i like the maximus i like the julius caesar yeah it's usually good and jc newman has done a great job as most cigar guys do of really passing it along and making it a better making the world a better place because of what they do and all their charities, you know, they do the Toast of America cigars every year where they have two cigars in a bundle. It's like 50 bucks. Yeah. But 100% of the char- profits go to charity. And I just really like it. So let's talk about the spirit of the lady. I like it a lot. I do too. I like the full, I'm getting a full mouthfeel. It's kind of touching all the areas. I'm getting a little bit of that palate glaze. Okay. I think I'll be tasting this a little while after I smoke it. So, as mentioned at the top of the show, I actually did run out and grab some coffee at the break. And the addition of that extra bitterness is changing the flavor of the cigar in a way that I'm enjoying. Um, I agree that the texture, the mouthfeel on this cigar is excellent. You know, I think one of these days we're probably going to have to start breaking down our ratings you know, not just kind of an overall, you know, one through seven, but because in terms of draw mouthfeel construction, I'm a seven on this. Flavor-wise, I'm really, really enjoying it. I, I love the nuance. I love the complexity. Um, that sweetness at the beginning is kind of gone for me now um, in a way that I appreciate. It's, it's an excellent cigar. It is. It's, um, I don't want to give any cigar a seven, having only smoked one of them. It would have to be really, really amazing for me to give it a seven having smoked one of them, but I think a cigar like this, by the third one, I could probably get it to a seven. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's knocking on that door all day long. Right now, it's hanging with me at about a six and three quarter. Okay, I was going to give it six and a half. Yeah, six and a half, six and three quarter. It's it's knocking there. They're a little high on the price spectrum, but it's burned slow. I mean, I've still, you went and got coffee and I smoked while you were gone and I've still got almost yeah. half a cigar Yeah. through the course of the show. So just really, really been a, a great cigar. I've really enjoyed it. So how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us on facebook.com slash the cigar cast or on Instagram and Twitter at the cigar cast and email info at the cigar Well, while all of y'all out there, Facebook us and tell us a topic. We love talking about cigar topics, 
And every week I'm kind of trying to pull one up. And right now Cigar News is a little slow. It is. The pre-ICPR pre time or PCA time is always a little slow this time of year. And the cigar shops are a little slow. Have you noticed a little thinner crowds in cigar shops? I mean, we got the shop to ourselves right now. Yeah, I have noticed that. I've also noticed, um, you know, it, it's funny because two weeks ago we were sitting under a blanket of ice, and now here we are, and it was 70 degrees and sunny today. So we're at that weird part of, I, I was just noticing that this on this day two years ago, we were dealing with all that flooding. That was happening around here. So, I mean, this, it, and I, I think people haven't come out of their hibernation so, shells yet because the weather is still so unpredictable. I imagine we're going to see some ramping up here pretty soon. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Yeah.